So planes are kind of crazy, aren't they? And hold on, bear with me here. Planes are crazy. The fact that human beings can be so far off the ground so regularly is insane. Most planes fly around 35,000 to 36,000 feet in the air. That's about 10,668 meters. The average cruising height is between 10 and 12,000 meters. To put that into perspective, the peak of Mount Everest is 22,029 feet. That's 8,849 meters. Human beings are regularly traveling two to 4,000 meters above the highest point on the planet. That's amazing. It's also amazing that we can travel so far, so quickly. We can go from London to LA in 12 hours. The actual flight time is 11 hours and 16 minutes. To put that into perspective as well, remember back to our episode on Cleopatra. Way back then, it would take two months to travel across the Roman Empire. Yet now, we can travel the 5,440 miles, that's 8,755 kilometers, from London to LA in less than a day. Planes are truly amazing. However, they do sometimes have the habit of disappearing. Now, yes, it is true that ships often get lost too, but planes? In December 1945, six planes went missing in the Bermuda Triangle. Malaysia Airlines Flight 370 went missing on the 8th of March 2014, and despite debris being found from the crash, the investigation has been inconclusive. So why am I telling you all of this? Well, that is because today we are going to be talking about the most famous airplane disappearance in history, and the incredible woman who disappeared along with it. In Atchison, Kansas, on the 24th of July, 1897, Amy Otis and Stanton Earhart welcomed their newborn daughter into the world. They held up their new little girl and they named her Dan. No, of course they didn't name her Dan. They named her Amelia. Yes, that is right, dear gentle listener. Today we are talking about the first woman to fly transatlantic, the first woman to fly transatlantic solo, and maybe the most famous disappearance in history. Amelia Earhart. Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Who's That Then podcast. How do you like this newer version of the intro? Do let me know. But right now, I am so excited, so let's get stuck in with today's story. Mr. Earhart was a lawyer on the railroads, and his wife Amy's family was incredibly wealthy. When Amelia was a child, her grandparents died, and the family fell into financial hardships. This, coupled with her father's alcoholism and family's constant moving around, must have led for a bit of a troubled childhood. She finished her high school in 1916 in Chicago. She then was given her inheritance and went on to study at the Ongtoz School in Rydal, Pennsylvania. Now, Ongtoz is how I think you're meant to pronounce it. Ongotoz, maybe? It's spelled O-G-O-N-T-Z. In 1918, she left junior college to become a nurse's aide in Toronto. When she was in Canada during the First World War, she took to caring for soldiers who had come back from the fighting in Europe. After the war had ended, she kept up her medical studies, getting into the pre-med program at Columbia University in New York, New York. I know you only, get, you only have to say the New York once, but I want to do it twice. She, however, left that program in 1920 because her parents had asked her to move to California with them. 
It was the same year that she first took a flight. It seems to have really took because the next year, in 1921, she bought a Kinner Airster, which is a two-seater plane. She nicknamed the plane the Canary, apparently because of its bright yellow colour, and probably not because it sang. But in my mind, Amelia Earhart's first plane could sing. Create your own headcanon as you will, dear gentle listener. It's up to you. It was two years later that she got her pilot's licence. Why she bought the plane two years before getting her licence, I'm not sure. Maybe she used it to practice on, maybe it's how she got her licence, that's probably true. But in my mind, I really think that it's that determination. She knew what she wanted to happen and she was going to make it happen regardless, and that's why she bought the plane. In 1925, she moved to Boston and was hired as a social worker. She worked at the Denison House, which is a settlement house for new immigrants in Boston. It was in 1928 that she first met with Destiny. In April, she was selected to be the first woman to fly non-stop across the Atlantic. On June the 18th, she took off from Newfoundland, Canada, and bought a Dutch-manufactured aircraft named a Fokker Trimotor. It was piloted by William Stoltz and Lewis Gordon. They landed in Burryport, Wales. I also want to note that I managed to say Fokker without giggling, and that is no mean feat. Do you think the people in Ireland looked up at the plane flying over their head and said, I wonder where that Fokker's going? I, I actually had so many Fokker-themed jokes that I had to cut a whole section out. The, the section was like five minutes of non-stop Fokker. I got so bogged down with it that I had to cut that damn Fokker out. I had to cut that Fokker out. Fokker's a funny word. Anyway... The successful landing made her the first woman and second person to fly non-stop across the Atlantic. The flight took 20 hours and 40 minutes, which is a pretty cool title for something, I think. Amelia actually had the same thought as me about 90 years before, and she titled her new book, 20 Hours and 40 Minutes. In 1931, she flew a plane at an altitude of 18,415 feet, which is... 5,613 metres for you dear gentle European listeners out there. But we'll get more about her 1931 later. After making history in 1928, she became a celebrity basically overnight. She went on a lecture tour of the United States, and her fame was managed and in many ways publicised by her publisher, George Palmer Putnam. She went on to marry him in 1931. See? I did say we'd get back to her 1931 exploits. In 1932, she made history again, She took her gorgeous Lockheed Vega, there's pictures of it on the Instagram, and she took off from Newfoundland, Canada again, and landed in a record-setting 14 hours and 56 minutes later in Londonderry, Northern Ireland. Her flight had many, many mechanical issues, as well as terrible, horrible weather. It's because of this that she had to land in Northern Ireland, rather than her original proposed landing site of Paris. Northern Ireland is really beautiful, and I do hope she did some sightseeing. On a personal note, I hope she went and saw the Giant's Causeway. I've never seen it, and it's something I've always wanted to see, and so I hope she got to. She kept up her flying record-making exploits throughout the 1930s. In 1935, she flew 3,875 kilometres, that's 2,408 miles, for all you dear sweet American listeners. That is the exact distance from Honolulu, Hawaii, to Oakland, California. This is exactly what she flew in 17 hours and 7 minutes. Oh, and this is actually further than the distance from America to Europe. The exact same year, she became the first person to fly from LA 
to Mexico City as well. What can I tell you? This woman had a busy, busy 1935. Those records weren't going to break themselves. In 1937, she made a huge decision. She decided to fly across the globe. She set off in a twin-engine Lockheed Electra, pictures on the Instagram, on June the 1st, 1937. She and her navigator, Fred Noonan, took off from Miami, Florida, heading east. They had to stop repeatedly to refuel both the plane and themselves, and it is here, dear sweet gentle listener, that we are getting towards the disappearance. She and Noonan had put the plane down in Ley, New Guinea. At this point, they had travelled 22,000 miles, that's 35,000 kilometres, on their, their 29,000 mile, that's 47,000 kilometres, big old round trip of the world. The next step was to fly to Howland Island, which was about 2,600 miles, 4,200 kilometres, away. On July the 2nd, the pair took off in the direction of Howland Island. Because this flight is really difficult, and the landing site is on a tiny, tiny little atoll right out in the middle of the ocean, there were two ships floating strategically along the way. These ships were essentially the bat signal for her. They were covered in lights to help her guide the plane. There was also an American ship named the Itasca, and they were in radio contact the entire time. Hours into the flight, Earhart sent her last ever radio transmission. The last words the world will ever hear from Amelia Earhart were, we're running north and south. I'll be honest, dear gentle listener, I don't really know what that means. I don't get how you can be going in opposite directions at the same time. But that is what she said, and that is the last thing that she said. So if anyone out there can enlighten me on what exactly she means by this, please, do get in touch, I would love to know. And now, for the mystery. They believe that the plane went down 100 miles, or 160 kilometres, away from the island. On July 19th, over two weeks after the plane went missing, the search party was called off. In 1940, they believed that they found bones on an island in the Pacific that were believed to belong to her, or Noon. But these bones were lost, and so no conclusive evidence was ever found on her final fate. I, just for fun, had a look at some of the theories about what happened to them, and they ranged from the plausible, you know, the plane ran out of fuel and crashed into the sea, where they either died in the plane crash, or they made it to an island nearby as castaways and died there, to the downright fantastical where the plane was abducted by aliens and that's why there's no evidence of the plane or the people on board. If you've got a free afternoon at some point, sit down, dear gentle listener, and read some of these theories. They are really something. One of the ones that I read suggested the reason that no one has ever found Amelia Earhart is because the CIA blew her up. There's no context for that. There's no reason for that. I just read it. It's just some guy who's written that. Because that's the thing with these theories is... Anybody can have one about what happened, and so anybody can write one. So you get some real crazy ones. So, for me, I like to think that the one that the Navy suggested, where the plane ran out of fuel and they crashed, is probably the most likely. However, if you choose to believe it was aliens, that's perfectly fine too, I suppose. Believe what you will, we have no conclusive evidence. One more note about Amelia herself before I go. While I was researching this episode, I found the official Amelia Earhart website. It's a pretty cool website and I really like it. It's clearly been made by people who love and respect her. And it's a really great read. There's this one excellent part about her as a child that I'd like to read to you now. And I quote. 
She also kept a scrapbook of newspaper clippings about successful women in predominantly male-oriented fields, including film direction and production, law, advertising, management, and mechanical engineering. End quote. She wasn't just a pilot. She advocated for civil rights, she wrote several books, and she helped injured soldiers returning from the fighting in Europe. She worked in social housing in Boston, and she studied medicine. She strikes me as an incredible woman, and I know that I'm definitely going to read some of her books. When she disappeared, she had been writing back to her husband, and he published her letters and diary in a book named Last Flight, published in the same year. I'm definitely going to try and track down a copy for myself to read. Amelia was a pioneering, record-breaking legend, and I am so fortunate to get to learn so much about her and present some of it to you. So, from me, thank you so much for being here. I hope that you research Amelia Earhart further if you find her interesting. The purpose of these episodes is to open the door, as such, you know, dip your toe in to the great lives of these people. I can't tell you everything I want to tell you about all of these characters. If I did, each episode would be nine hours long and you would know absolutely everything about all of them. My aim is to give shorter episodes that get people interested in the characters. So, as I say, the Amelia Earhart website is there. I'm going to put a link to it in the description of this episode. Along with that will be a link to the email and the Instagram. Remember, that's Who's That Then podcast, all one word. I'll also be uploading pictures of some of her planes and a map of where that island is as well. And with that said, I hope you have an excellent week. Stay safe and healthy. And I will see you again next week for another episode. Until then, bye-bye for now.